So lovely having Edmund and Sarah and the team up here leading us this morning. And uh, this is something that every fourth Sunday uh, they're going to be uh, encouraging us in our worship. So thanks guys, much appreciated. Yes, this, this uh, past week has been a, a very significant week as we have farewelled uh, a great man of God, Dr. Billy Graham. And uh, as I just reflect on his life, uh, he wasn't perfect. He made mistakes both in his private and in his public life, uh, but he nevertheless gave glory to God. And one of the things, whenever he was asked a question, if you ever look at any of the... Um, serial uh, clips, news clips of, of his teaching. He never ever said, I say or I think. He always said, the Bible says. The Bible says. He never ever sought any acclamation for himself. He always directed everyone to God. And in that, I thank God for that man's life. And I envy the United States because they have had at least two mighty men of God who have been there advising their parliament and their presidents. Firstly, they had Peter Marshall and then they had Billy Graham. Yes, D.L. Moody, yes, of course, I should have, yes, even more the envy goes. Yes, D.L. Moody. And Martin Luther King. Who has Australia had? Where have the mighty ministers of God in Australia risen up to be heard by the parliaments and the prime ministers of Australia? We need to pray that God would raise up a mighty voice here in Australia. Amen? Amen. Yes. Fred Nile, yes, he doesn't have that same prominence. He's tried, but he hasn't yet had the ear of, of the Prime Minister's. And I think his run is nearing its end. Maybe he's a precursor of something to come. Wouldn't that be lovely? Anyway, that's just a, a little reflection. Thank you, Jeff, for leading us in our worship. Would you turn in your scriptures, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 to 17. And especially take note of verse 11. The Apostle Paul wrote this, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. 
but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on, it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. If your rendering was a little different, I was reading that from the New King James, which I particularly like. Let me ask you a question this morning. Oh dear, that shouldn't have gone to that. Okay, let me ask you the question. Heroes. Is there a screen there, Bruce? Just heroes? Yes. Who's your hero? Ah. <laughs> Forget it. Forget it. We'll go to that in a sec. Who's your hero? We all love heroes. Is your hero a cartoon character like Anna in Frozen? Some of the grandmas. Hey, I like Anna. I play Frozen to my little granddaughter. She insists that I have to sit with her and watch it. And I've come to like Anna in Frozen. What about Superman? Has Superman been your hero? No. What about Spider-Man or Wonder Woman? Now, come on, some of you women's libbers. Wonder Woman, anyone? Spider-Man, ah, good on you. Thank you, Laurel. Spider-Man. Maybe your, maybe your hero is a sporting person like Steve Smith. You can yell out yes if you agree. Or Caitlin Bassett. Or Jason Day. Or maybe you go for a TV star like Kate Blanchett. Uh, Jeffrey Rush. Hmm. Or Russell Crowe. Well, they're TV stars. <laughs> it would seem that we are surrounded by so many potential heroes. I have a question. Why is it that we look to these figures as heroes? Is it because we feel that our lives are so dull, boring or unexciting and theirs is obviously full of adventure and fame? 
uh, these figures, our heroes, because we would like our lives to be more like theirs. All the travel that they do, all the money that they earn. Or is it that we see in our heroes personal qualities that we admire and respect and would like to emulate? You know, when we are young, we so often look to our heroes as an example and upon which we desire to model our lives and our behaviour. Think of your own children and grandchildren, and for some of you, your great-grandchildren. Do they have heroes like this? Go to some of the kindergartens these days, or come to our playgroup, and the children, some of the children will come dressed up as their heroes. There's one little boy, he comes dressed up as Spider-Man. Spider-Man's his hero. You see, because we treat these people as heroes, we, we sometimes wear clothes like theirs. And why they have become trendsetters in so much fashion and marketing. Ladies, are any of you wearing special labelled clothes today of dress manufacturers that have become your hero? Or are you just Kmart and Coles? <laughs> but it's interesting, in a lot of the young people of today, they won't wear anything unless it is whatever. A few years ago, little girls wouldn't wear anything unless it was pumpkin patch. Is that right? Pumpkin patch? Yeah. What are some of the other labels? Did someone say bonds? <laughs> right. And, and then there's the makeup. You won't wear any makeup unless it's this particular brand because you admire the person who set up this company. Our young people, this is how they are driven these days with the marketing. And it's for these reasons that we need to be very careful in whom we choose to be our heroes today. Over the years, I've admired the personal attributes and achievements of many people. Unfortunately, time, and time has sometimes revealed them to be much less than what I had expected. And I've often become quite disappointed in these people as I've learned a little bit more about their lives. And while one part of their life may have excelled and thrust them into the public eye, all too often other aspects of their lives have fallen far short of deserving honour. We only need to look at people like Rolf Harris, the entertainer, Ben Cousins, the sportsman. He was once hailed as the greatest footballer in Australian history. Now look at where he is. And what about Don Burke, the TV personality? And we have another one to add to the list this week.
in Barnaby Joyce. It's unfortunate that those who may excel in one aspect of life all too often fall miserably in others. So what should be our response to these would-be heroes, these people that we see as someone to copy and to emulate? Do we simply turn a blind eye and ignore their aberrant behaviours? Do we offer excuses for them by saying things like, well, boys will be boys, or, well, they must have had a tough upbringing, so that excuses them? Or do we merely move on and choose another hero for a new season? A number of years ago, I made a decision to make the Lord Jesus the hero of my life. It all took quite a time as I studied a variety of philosophers and religions. And in the end, I read and studied the Bible, especially the Gospels. And I came to the conviction that the Lord Jesus was the most honourable, the most honest, the most pure, true and righteous person on whom I could depend. I also came to realise that the Lord Jesus was not merely a good man or a great prophet, but that he is God revealed to us in human form and that I could trust him absolutely. And as we read in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And in Philippians 2 verse 7, Christ Jesus made himself empty, made himself nothing by taking the form or the nature of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. My decision for the Lord Jesus was one that I have never, ever regretted. All the heroes of my childhood have fallen by the wayside. But from the moment I made Jesus the hero of my life, I have never had one moment of regret. Nor have I ever had cause to question. He is my hero in that I seek to daily live my life based on his example, based on his witness, and based on his teaching. And I pray daily that his spirit will continue to transform and renew my life more and more into his likeness. Brothers and sisters, it is with this understanding that the Apostle Paul also came to faith on the road to Damascus. And the, his story is recorded for us in Acts chapter 9. And from that day onward, from the day that uh, Paul encountered the risen Lord Jesus, 
Paul's life was radically transformed by Jesus. In our reading, Paul clearly wrote that his sense of self was no longer invested in what he could do or achieve. But his sense of self was in who the Lord Jesus is and what he is now able to do through Paul. It was a radical transformation. And it was a transformation that speaks to our generation today. People today are talking about self-actualization, about meditation upon yourself, about you determining who you can be. It's all about me, me, me. This is the me generation. And Paul came to realize that his sense of awareness of who he was was not vested in himself, but vested in the Lord Jesus Christ. That was radical stuff. Who then is Apollos and who is Paul but servants through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? And Paul said this, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Paul gave the credit to God himself. To further describe the amazing impact that the Lord Jesus had on Paul's life and ministry, in verse 9, Paul went on to write in terms of our lives being a field or a building for God. He used that as an illustration. Our lives are the visible manifestation of what God is doing behind the scenes. In terms of a field, its, its productivity to produce a worthwhile crop is dependent upon the amount of preparation of the soil before the planted seed begins to grow. In terms of a building, its true worth and strength is dependent upon the solid and sure foundation upon which it stands. And in verse 10, Paul went on to talk about the foundation that he had laid in the lives of others as he has taught them about the revelation of the Lord Jesus. And to be sure, when the fundamentals of our faith, relationship with God, are right, we are far better equipped to build a solid and sure life a solid and sure ministry and a solid and sure witness for the Lord in the future. But you've got to get the fundamentals right to start off with. Conversely, if our faith fundamentals are not correct, a bit trendy and popularist, then what we build will be like a house of cards, ready to fall at the slightest wind of trouble. And this is why we sometimes see prominent men and women who claim to believe in God, 
become embroiled in scandals and get involved in behaviours and lifestyles that are anything but God-honouring. They do not build their lives on the solid foundation of the Lord Jesus. They build their lives on what is trendy at the time. And make no mistake, there are many people in the Christian churches today whose lives are established on a poor foundation, not on Jesus, but on what's trendy. And there are even some who are ministers in these churches who actually do not even believe in God. It's a tragedy. And I have met some of them personally. To be a minister of a church is a career path for them. It's not a calling. And that is a tragedy. And it is for this reason that Paul, in verse 11 wrote about the importance of having our lives established on the strong and sure foundation of the Lord Jesus. He wrote, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Let us be sure of one thing. When God presented himself to us in the person of the Lord Jesus... He did so out of his great love and mercy for us. And as we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us, even when we were dead in trespasses, sin made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You've not been saved by your own efforts. You have not been saved by your own good works. It's not a matter of weighing up the scales and your good works outweighing your bad works. It doesn't matter. As far as God is concerned, your best efforts are like filthy rags. It is only through the mercy and grace of God that we can be saved. No other way. No other way. And this is basic to any faith relationship or walk with God. We cannot hope to rescue and save ourselves from our sin and lostness by personal disciplines. We cannot hope to save ourselves by personal meditation and personal development exercises. We cannot hope to save ourselves by good works or religious traditions and rituals. As we read in Isaiah 64 verse 6, all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags, we all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. If we are really serious with God, then we must build and focus our lives on him and not just use him as a pretense. 
There must be an absolute surrender to God. Our nature and our character should be conformed to his nature and character. Our desires and will should reflect his desires and will. And our thoughts and our hope should be a reflection of his thoughts and his hopes. You may ask, how can this be? Well, it can only begin to happen as we let go the controls of our lives and ask the Lord Jesus to come into us and to take control. For a lot of people today, that goes against everything they've been taught. They've been taught, you are the master of your own life. You take control of your own life. That leads to the way of destruction. You've got to ask the Lord Jesus into your life. You've got to ask God to get in the driver's seat and let him be the master of your life. He must be in the, in the driver's seat if we're to let go of our past that has so hindered and ensnared us. And we must begin to head in the right direction. It is for all this that the Lord Jesus endured the horrors and the sufferings of the cross and Calvary for you and me. The Lord Jesus took the worthless foundations of our lives and has shown us a better foundation upon which to base and build our future. If we are to remain true and steadfast to the Lord, and so avoid being seduced by the latest trends and popular fallacies, it's important that we keep our eyes and our attention firmly focused on the Lord. Like a pencil that is regularly used, we need to keep ourselves sharp and attentive to the things of God. And we do this through regular study of God's Word, the Bible, both for times of devotion to God as well as to gain a deeper understanding of His principles for life. We also do this through regular gathering with God's people for worship and encouragement and also having regular prayer conversations with the Lord. Prayer, Bible study, worship. They, in a sense, are the three pillars of a healthy Christian life. And if we fail to do these things and instead offer excuses, excuses especially to ourselves, you know, things like, Oh, I can't go to church today. Look, I'm just too tired. That, par that party last night went too long. If we offer excuses, we should never be surprised to one day find ourselves rather blunt and useless in our service and witness for the Lord. 
as well as our care and support for others. We must be like a sharp pencil, always ready to get to the right point of things. Brothers and sisters, make no mistake, God will not be placated or mocked by a mere show of religiosity. He knows the true foundations of our hearts and minds. Whoops, there it goes. He knows the true, found, the true motivations of our hearts and minds. He knows if we truly love him and are committed to him. And he knows if we have established our lives on his foundation. He knows if we are serious about the Lord Jesus being the principal motivation and driver in our lives. In our reading, Paul went on to write these words. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. God has chosen for this earthly body to be his temple. Jeff, God has chosen for your earthly body to be his temple. Wes, God has chosen for your earthly body to be his temple. He chooses to abide with us, not there, but here. Therefore, I have a responsibility before God to make sure that this temple, his temple, is as clean and pure and righteous and holy as possible. It is for this reason that I do not take drugs illegal drugs, and even legal drugs. Doctor-prescribed drugs, I take them as little as possible. I do what the doctor tells me. But when I have a headache, how many, how many Panadol do you take when you have a headache? Two. How many do I take, Cheryl? One. One if I'm lucky. I do not smoke, I do not drink, I do not gamble, I do not look at pornography on, on the uh, internet or anything like that. Because I was convicted many years ago that this earthly body God has chosen to be his temple. And I would encourage you to think through that one for yourself. We live today in a world in which there are so many competing ideas and ideals for our time and attention. 
we are constantly being bombarded by the next best things to make our lives bearable, livable and wonderful. And it may be the next big social event, the next big community party, the next party drug, the next fad diet, the next must-have piece of electronic gadgetry. It may be the next generation of tool, vehicle or must-do experience to let you know that your life has some meaning or value. Because that's what the world is trying to tell you. I love the one where they say, and you deserve it. Hmm? I think I mentioned that a few years ago. It's now commonplace. You know, you must have this and you deserve it. When you hear or read of these things, please remember this. A life established on the foundation of the Lord Jesus may not be the most thrilling and exciting 24-7, but it is a life that will be strong, sure, and steadfast. Because the Lord Jesus is strong, sure, and steadfast. Brothers and sisters, do not build your life on the heroes of today, whether they be a person or whether they be a product. Do not build your life on the heroes of, the, of today that will come and go, nor on the latest fads and fancies. Build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ and in allowing your body to be as a temple for God, consecrate all your thoughts, all your speech, all your energies and all your actions to be a blessing and an honour to him. And just as we come to a close, I want to also say that my dad became my hero. He was a godly Christian man. He was my hero because he was a man of faith and a man of character and always encouraged me to make God the foundation of my life and to always put God first in my life. Is there someone in your life who is your hero? Someone who has never let you down? Someone whose life was firmly established on the foundation of the Lord Jesus. If there has been that person for you in your life, then give thanks to God for them. And just for a few minutes, I just want you to meditate on this question. Thanks, Bruce. To the end, we are waiting on you, Jesus. We believe you're all to us. Pray.
precious cornerstone, sure foundation. You are faithful to the end. We are waiting on you, Jesus. We believe you're all to us. Let the glory of your name be the passion of the church. Let the righteousness of God be a holy flame that burns. Let the saving love of Christ be Jesus all to you today. Are you prepared to put aside all your other heroes, all the other fancies and fallacies around, and make Jesus all in all your hero? Let's pray.
Our Father God, there are so many influences that come in our life. And we have a choice to make. We pray, Lord, that we will make the right choices. And Lord God, we pray for our children, our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. As they come to that point in life, that crossroad point, like like Paul did on the road to Damascus. When they reevaluate their life, when they look at the direction their life will take, Lord, we pray that in us they will see the example and the witness of the Lord Jesus. And may they choose you. This is our prayer because we love them, because we care for them. We pray, Lord, that they will choose you. We know that you are the best foundation for any life. And so we lift them up before you now in prayer. Amen.